Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about matters of the heart. My heart has to be changed, transformed by the Word and by the power of the Spirit of God, not by your 15-step programs. Today we are saying, what can deliver us? Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? If I'm saying what, I'm not biblical. You better be saying who can deliver me. And that who better be Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, what's in the news today? No doubt we live in precarious times, but there's an even more important battle going on within, and that's a battle for the heart. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, he brings us three important principles that deal with matters of the heart. So let's join him for today's important study. There are many principles that can be drawn from the Sermon on the Mount regarding the kingdom. But there are three that we dare not miss or we will miss the kingdom altogether. The first being that man's heart is evil and satiated with love for self. It's throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which goes chapter 5, 6, and 7. As you know the scripture in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? The following verse says, only God can know that heart. Now everything you and I hear in our schools, in our colleges, in the literature you read, even in some of the churches you attend, you get bombarded with the self-love and how good you are and how valuable you are. Let's clear the table and the atmosphere. God says you're a dirty, rotten sinner with a miserable heart. And that includes me. That's the first step, recognizing your poverty of spirit. Now, that's not a nice message for today. Because we're into the self-love. We're into the me. We're into what I can do. Like if I can pull up my own shoestrings and hold myself up. If I can, why did I need to be saved? And I have to think that through in everything that I believe. What does it do to the cross? What does it do to the redemptive work and plan of God? Does it contradict it? Does it nullify it? Does it water it down? And if it does, I know it's of man and not of God. Any shallow life ends up in carnality just as it begins. But any life that is deep goes through pain, goes through suffering, and sees God. There's the difference. Today we are being handed a shallow life throughout society, even in the church. And the problem is we have the option to choose. And so I make stupid choices, then I blame God. The heart. If you look with me in chapter 5, verse 3, we said there, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. It begins right from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. His pride keeps him from the kingdom. I'm not a sinner. I mean, I know there's some people that need to be forgiven and some people that are really bad, but not me. You've missed the kingdom right from the beginning because you think you're the exception. 
You think your heart's okay. I think my heart's okay. And God says, no, it isn't. In the same chapter 5, verse 24, his hatred keeps him from God. In the whole passage from 21 to 26, he's speaking about they're saying you should not murder. But Jesus says, hey, it goes farther than just the action. I want to go to the heart. It's hatred. It's anger that leads to murder. And that's where it goes. See, this hatred right there keeps him from God. Now, I can go through formalities, but God knows that I have nothing to do with him if I have hatred in my heart. Now, see, that nails you and it nails me. No one can turn around this out of turn and say, not me. You know what's interesting when Jesus says, you know, with his disciples, all 12 of them there, he says, you know, one of you is going to betray me. You want to read something classic, read that passage. Every one of them turned around and said, is it I, Lord? They had proper perspective. They all knew that they all had the capacity to betray him. Today in the church we're saying, oh, not me. God says, oh, yes, you. <laughs> Absolutely you. The heart. In verse 28 of chapter 5, his heart turns glory into shame. Lusting after a woman. Women lusting after men. He turns what God proclaimed to be glory and he loves to grab it and turn it into shame because it exalts him. It gives him power. Again, the problem is the heart. Verse 31 of chapter 5. His hardened heart Causes him to divorce. Jesus said that in chapter 19, verse 8. Because of the hardness of your heart, the heart is the problem. You see, if we were more like Christ, we would say, hey, I forgive you. Now I'm talking about when there's genuine repentance, okay? I'm not talking about that you have to forgive someone who's been unfaithful and they're going to continue to be so. God doesn't say, go ahead and let him be a doormat for you. How long you hang in there is between you and God. But where there is genuine repentance, then there is to be genuine forgiveness, as we will see as he teaches them the model of prayer. Because if I ask forgiveness of God, and someone asks forgiveness of me, and God says, yes, X, you're forgiven, and I say to them, no, you're not forgiven, God says, I won't forgive you, X. The forgiveness of my sin for salvation is absolutely unconditional. Unconditional. I come as I am. He cleanses me. But once I'm born again, when I come to ask forgiveness, it is very much conditional. It's based in proportion to my forgiveness to others. Did you ever know that? Study the scriptures. And if I will not forgive in proportion as Christ has forgiven me, then he will not forgive me. That means that I'm out of fellowship and my heart is deceiving me, thinking I'm in fellowship. Astounding principles in the Sermon on the Mount. And we find them throughout the New Testament. That hardness of heart. And so I say, I love myself more than I love you, and I love to be forgiven more than love to, be for, love to forgive, so I don't want any part of you now. I'm going to get a new model. Bye. And the world loves it so, and the world gives you all those options. But the end result is misery, because you've got to live with your heart. 
And so do I. In verse 37, his heart is dishonest. He's speaking about vows there. Jesus says, just say yes or no. Whatever is more than that is from the evil one. And so often we want people to believe us so much. Say, I, I, I swear to God, I, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I swear on my mother's grave. What am I saying when I want to verify and authenticate my honesty is that I really don't believe you trust me or that I'm such a liar that I need something to back me up. And that's probably more the case. If you're a Christian, then all you have to say, you know, I'll be there at 7.30. Yeah, it's $200. That's what I'm going to sell it for. And somebody calls you up and says, listen, I'll give you $1,000 for that. Would you say, well, you know, I promised somebody else for 200 just five minutes ago. I can't do it. Come on, I'll give you a thousand. No, I can't do it. Honesty. Integrity. The heart. Verse 38. Chapter 5. He loves vengeance. Retaliation. All these sections here uh, that we've been touching on, they were teaching them as absolute physical, outward, formal actions. Jesus gets right down to the heart. You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you. And here in the matter of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and the other illustrations he gives there, he's talking about vengeance and retaliation. In other words, we always want to get even or get more. How many of you want to get even? None of us like to get even. We like to get just a little bit more. You see, we think that eye for eye, tooth for tooth speaks about, well, you know, the law says if you, know, if, if you knock my tooth out, then I get to get a shot at you. No, this was an, a command given to the judges that justice might be honorable. In other words, somebody knocks one of your teeth out, then you can only knock one out, not two. Now today, the reason we are in trouble is because of this principle and greed, because you get in a wreck and somebody hits you from behind and then you jump out and you say whiplash, you've really got about $200 worth of damage to your car, maybe about $500 worth of medical and therapy and stuff like that, but you want a million dollars. See, we want more. The heart. The heart. One word, people, why our country is in trouble. Greed. Greed. More. Nobody is satisfied with a piece of the pie. They're going for the whole pie. In verse 48, the final verse of chapter 5, it tells us that he loves self more than God. Because it says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, this always bugged me, this scripture. And I was always trying to see how I can explain it. But all you have to do is study the context. It begins with verse 43. And he's talking about love. The perfection that he's talking about here is that you be as loving as your heavenly Father has been loving to you. The principle of perfection is not perfection without spot or without flaw. It's talking about perfection of love. God's agape love. You've got one of two options. 
Try to keep the law or abide in the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Christ will fulfill the law. Now, it seems like the choice would be obvious, but it isn't to the people of God. Because the people of God, though they preach grace, they try to live by law. Well, I don't do that. You do that? I used to do that. You wear that? You saw that? You drink that? You drive that? You live there? Amazing, isn't it? His love for self is so overwhelming he can see nothing else, let alone God. The heart. The heart where it all starts. The second principle is that man's motives and his attitudes are determined by the condition of the heart. It's common sense, very basic. We don't have to get too academic. From the heart, there the motives and the attitudes come. Let me give you a couple of scriptures out of Proverbs. Just jot them down if you want. Um, the first one is Proverbs 4.23 where it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The only way you can keep your heart is to give it to God. It's to hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against Him, or that I might not sin against Him. My heart has to be changed, transformed. It'll only be transformed by the word and by the power of the Spirit of God. Not by psychology. Not by sociology. Not by your 15-step programs. Listen to Paul. Today we are saying, what can deliver us? Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul didn't say what. He said who. If I'm saying what, I'm not biblical. You better be saying who can deliver me from this body of death. And that who better be Jesus Christ. If not, you're putting a band-aid on something that needs surgery. And it may just cost you your life. It just might. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What goes on up here usually is stirred up from down in here. <laughs> the heart. Now, I'm still sold under sin, Paul says. I'm sinful. There's not one good thing in me. And so I have to bring my thoughts into captivity, he tells the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, with the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal but spiritual. Paul tells the Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. He enumerates the whole armor. There's a warfare going on. It's a warfare for your mind and your heart. And it's a spiritual warfare. It's not physical. This whole uh, problem with evolution and creation in the schools, it's not a physical problem. It's not a scientific problem. It's a spiritual problem. We're in warfare. Evolution is a religion. They're teaching. And they have the nerve to tell us that we can't impose our religious views. I have more information. I have more facts. I have more evidence for my belief 
in God than they do for their belief in evolution. I have revelation. All they have is imagination. Because they weren't there when it all happened. They're just guessing. And that's the foundation of the religion. Therefore, the structure is based on sand and it will collapse. Plus, evolution says God is a liar. He didn't need to redeem us and we just happened to land here. Let me give you one more in Proverbs 28, verse 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. The contrast is you handle your own heart or you give it to God. One of the two. And so the second principle is that man's motives and attitudes are determined by the condition of his heart. Either you have control of your heart or the Lord has control of your heart. Two cannot handle it. Two cannot run it. There's a warfare going on. But the decision has been made. The commitment has been made. The Lord is the one to have my heart. Notice repeatedly through part of the Sermon on the Mount, we read, you have heard that it has been said, and then, but I say unto you. Man is always concerned with the actions, the outward manifestation. If we weren't so caught up, especially even as Americans, we wouldn't care what our cars look like. We wouldn't be paying as much as we pay for them because they would make one kind of car, we'd all drive them. One kind of clothes, we'd all wear them. Now, I'm not against design or anything else, but it goes to show we all want to be different. We want to be the latest. Have the latest hairdo, the latest uh, dress, the latest car, the latest fashion, everything else. I mean, we get caught up on the outward exterior. Notice in verse 21 of chapter 5. Our desire is murder. We covered that. You see, it's the motive, the attitude. You see, I don't kill you outwardly. I've never shot anybody. Not physically. Not literally. But I've shot a lot of people in my life. I've killed a lot of people in my life. And now as a Christian, I have to guard that attitude, that motive. Because it comes from the heart. So because I don't do something doesn't mean that God doesn't see it as done. For he said, if you're angry, hey, you've done it. If you're lusting, you've done it. And so if I don't understand that, then I deceive myself. Then I put on an air and act as we read over and over in chapter 6. Hypocrite. That means an actor. Remember when the first movies came out, they had two masks. One was a frown, the other was a smile. That's where the Greek theater is a hypocrite. It means an actor, one who puts a mask before him. Now, when an actor comes out, he knows he's acting. The audience knows he's acting. Nobody's deceived. But when we wear a mask through our lives, trying to pass ourselves someone as we aren't, then we are deceiving people, plus we are deceiving ourselves. Because we're not in front of a stage, and we're not there to be entertained. There's a difference. In verse 27 of chapter 5, 
the area of committing adultery and lusting. The motive is to gratify myself. There is no concern for the, the family I'm going to destroy. There is no concern for the violation of my own mate. There is no concern of the destruction to the children. There is no consideration for the cohesiveness of society. The attitude and motivation is, I want it and I can get it and I'm going for it. Motives, attitudes, they come from the heart. In verse 31 of chapter 5, our attitude is not to forgive. Furthermore, I say, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, which means adultery, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries her commits adultery also. You see, one of the most dangerous things of you and myself is the attitude and the motive of finding a loophole in the Word of God. Christians today are like many lawyers have portrayed to be, those who can find the loophole. And we're more concerned about finding the loophole than tying the knot. Why? Because of the attitude and motive, I do not want to forgive. You know why? Because forgiveness costs me something. That means that I absorb all the cost and it stops with me so that life can continue with both parties. You come over to my house and I have an expensive lamp there. And just before you leave, your little kid is playing and turns it off and it falls and it breaks. It costs $100,000. But I turn around and say, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Oh, no, no. It's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And I absorb the cost. And then I call you up two days later and I say, hey, listen, we're going to go out to dinner. You guys want to go out with us? I absorb the cost. I forgive because it was genuine grief, contrition. You see, we don't like to absorb the cost. We want to go eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But let me ask you a very straightforward question. Do any of us ever get even? No. You just get madder. You get more bitter more resentful. You see, the word forgive means to release, to dismiss. Non-forgiveness is like a weight that hangs on you. And it drags you down. It causes you to be resentful, bitterness. It makes life that is to be in living color to be seen in black and white. Unforgiveness will cause you to want to just sleep, not get up and see another day. Unforgiveness will cause you to look upon a flower and say, man, that's ugly. When that forgiveness comes, it's cutting a chain off of you. And now you are free to walk in life, but also that other person is free to experience life. It's a release, a willful release. I, I will absorb the cost as my Lord absorbed my cost. 
Absolutely. Now who is big enough for that if we're not born again? Only in and through and by Jesus Christ is that possible. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about true freedom of true forgiveness. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study called Matters of the Heart. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And be sure and request an additional copy to pass on to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is Matters of the Heart. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. We'll find out how to put a genuine walk behind your spiritual talk. That's right here with Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com